Hey, everybody, this is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the smash hit podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, mom reviews Ricky Gervais's Netflix series, After Life. That's two words. Let's bring mom in now. Hi, mom. Hi, Johnny. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm getting over my Chicago cold. Oh, are you? You sound a little stuffed up, yeah. Yeah, just a tiny bit now. Well, the whole city has has post-nasal drip right now, so uh, you're you're in good company. <laughs> well, I never come home without a cold. I never come home without a bag of Garrett's cheese and caramel mix popcorn and a cold. Well, one time you came home with the flu and uh, blamed Leo for it, even though it wasn't his fault. You still haven't apologized about that, as far as I can well, recall. Well, you know, Dad said... Well, your resistance might have been low from the cold, which then you got the flu. Uh, I said the cold you made up, you mean, that one. The, no, no. the pretend oh, cold. Oh, no, no. Oh. No, 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 no. And the doctor said she thought it was the flu, so. Uh-huh. But you had a fever, right? And Leo never had a fever, well, so I'm just, I just have to go back to the forensics. <laughs> Mom, we always rely on you to bring us the small town scoop, uh, but I was particularly charmed by a story that you passed along to me recently and that I said we had to investigate on the show. Plus, you know, Mom, everybody's doing the true crime these days, right? That's the hot ticket yeah. in podcasting um, as, as recently as four years ago. So we are hot on this trend um, of true crime. And uh, sh let, could you now share with the listeners uh, this story fresh off the hot, hot pages of the the Intertown Record this came from, right? Yes, I will. And what is yes, the Intertown Record? What in... area of New Hampshire does this cover? Uh, the Lakes Region. The Lakes Region, right. Okay, that's what I thought. Go ahead. That's, that's what they call us. Well, the headline was confusing enough. And the headline, this was in last week's paper, said... Mm -hmm. Mr. Potato Head may have appealed to Franklin Visitor. Franklin is a town a couple towns over. The gist of it was that apparently the Dartmouth Institute for Health Policy and Clinical Practice was having a well, conference yeah. at the New London Inn, mm -hmm. which is the town next to me. And apparently this woman, I won't say her name, even though the newspaper did, right was charged with stealing a Mr. Potato Head from the conference room on October 22nd. And the police claimed she also took a Dustbuster handheld vacuum cleaner, <laughs> com committing theft by unauthorized taking. Yeah, I said that I love this charge, uh, theft by unauthorized taking. And this is how it appeared in the paper, in quotes. What other kind of theft is there? Isn't that what know. theft is? It's kind of an elegant definition of theft, unauthorized taking. That's what it is. This was a very confusing, confounding story to me. <laughs> yes, it was. That it got three columns of information, <laughs> mostly about Mr. Potato Head. Yes. And why, why this garnered such space in the newspaper. I just couldn't understand it. I just, I thought maybe it was an April Fool's joke. But you, Johnny, thought that was 
a pretty lame joke. Well, plus it's in the like March 29th edition of the paper, so that would that would be especially lame. True. Um, but what what I came away with the, from this was why is the Dartmouth Institute using Mr. Potato Head at their conference? Yes. First, I want to deconstruct this headline, which you also zeroed in on, Mom. First of all, we have the uh, Mr. Potato Head may have appealed to Franklin Visitor, and I think that appealed is supposed to be a pun, right? Because you peel a potato. I think it definitely is. You you agree? I didn't get it. Yeah. But it's a pretty it's a pretty thin one. However, this is sort of inside knowledge, and I want to see if you agree with me. I feel that the inclusion of Franklin in the description of the visitor. Um, was a subtle hint for residents of the Lakes region who may know Franklin's reputation. Shall I put it that way? I th- oh. I think that oh. making it a Franklin visitor suggests that there was some uh, some nature of misdemeanor involved here. I'll put it that way. Right. Well, all you have to say is Franklin, and you just think, yep, that's where I go to get my drugs. <laughs> Street drugs. I mean, I don't, but... <laughs> Wait, let me say that sentence again. No, I think that sentence was perfect. And what kind of drugs okay. do you enjoy from Franklin, Mom? Uh, well, there's the... Uh, what's, what's hip right now? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as Mom pointed out, as we were preparing for this week's show, this is uh, such a perfect connection to Afterlife, the series we're reviewing this week, because... Ricky Gervais, in Afterlife, plays a person who works at a small-town newspaper. So, we have joining us now on the Pop Mom podcast, the small-town newspaper reporter who brought this story to light, Ray Carbone. He is a freelance writer based in uh, Warner, New Hampshire, and he is the one who reported this story. Ray, thanks for joining us on Pop Mom. Thank you, John. Uh, so, uh, first, I want to find out, how did you even hear about this, uh, this Mr. Potato Head theft? Well, one of the things that I do is I usually write a couple of stories for the local weekly newspaper here called the Intertown Press. And one of the things the editor had asked me to do when I could was to go up to the district court and file a report of who's been arrested and who got caught speeding and that kind of stuff. It's all in the court records. And once in a while, when you're doing something like that, you you find something that's a little unusual. And that's how I found about the Mr. Potato Head. Um, you know, one of my favorite details is that a dustbuster also went missing. Uh, are we sure this is the same perpetrator? Well, actually, the the charges were, as you read in the story, the charges weren't pursued. They were dropped. Right. So I don't really have some, any definite information about about the young lady who was uh, charged with these crimes. Jeez, they let her off the hook. First offense of stealing a potato head. You you get off the hook, I guess, right? Actually, I spoke to uh, Police Chief Ed Enders uh, there to after I filed a story, and uh, I I actually called uh, Officer McKenna, who had whose name was on the uh, the ticket as mm. they call it. It's not a parking ticket, but in the court, I called him during the weekend because I had to file the story by Sunday morning. So I called Officer McKenna, but he wasn't available. He was working an all-night shift, and I kind of thought, you know, I probably shouldn't call him more than once because he might be doing actual <laughs> police work. Yeah. So I, I left a message. He didn't call me back. I thought, well, I'll just write what I have here. But uh, 
Keith Anderson called me on Monday morning, and uh, he was very kind of taciturn. He said yes, and uh, so then I told him, well, I was trying to find out about the Mr. Potato Head crime, and uh, <clears throat> he actually said that the young lady who's involved was charged with numerous other. She was uh, involved with several other more significant crimes. That's probably why they they dropped the Potato oh. Head and uh, oh. the charges. Okay. Well, I just wanted to know, uh, how did they realize that Mr. Potato Head was gone? Oh, good question. Yeah, how would you even know? That is a great question. <laughs> it sort of brings up the idea, John, of, you know, did they dust Mr. Potato Head to see, get the prints and, and you know, get the proof? Of the... <laughs> I don't, I don't honestly know, Bonnie. Uh, well, what, actually, what happened was, this took place in uh, the, the New London Inn, which is a very old and, and uh, popular inn in our area, in uh, Lake Sunapee area. And the the items were actually, they didn't actually belong to the inn. They belonged to a group called the Dartmouth Institute. And the Dartmouth Institute is part of Dartmouth College, and it's particularly focused on issues of public health. And they have a master's degree program the public health and they do they do different kinds of conferences and get togethers and meetings and so they must have been doing this in the London Inn's conference room when uh, they noticed that Mr. Potato Head and the Dustbuster was gone. Do we know okay. what they were using the Mr. Potato Head for? <laughs> yes. Right? It's it's not so hard to imagine but that maybe they wanted a dustbuster. Maybe they had some activity they did that got a little sloppy and they thought we'll do that we'll <laughs> right. clean it up ourselves we won't leave it to their crew but why was Mr. Potato Head at a medical event I mean we could we, we might assume that he was used for some kind of demonstration but you'd kind of hope that Dartmouth would be a little more sophisticated yeah, I know you would hope you would hope I'm kind of concerned because I do have a lot of my medical attention done at Dartmouth <laughs> but now I might have some more questions for them <laughs> Yeah, you can hope they'd have a better thing than rather than, hey, if you pull off his little leg, he falls over. That's right. That's, that's right. Not, it's not the realm of... Uh, but I Maybe. think a lot of interesting things about Mr. Potato Head. What I, I wanted to just throw in a couple of details for people maybe yeah, who had please. weren't familiar. And uh, it was actually invented in the 1950s by a guy in New York City who was always inventing things. He couldn't get anybody to buy this peculiar thing, which was basically sticking pieces of plastic into potatoes and also other vegetables. He had other vegetables, like rutabagas and rhubarbs that he demonstrated. Sure. But no no toy company was interested in, so he went to a cereal company and sold the idea of the cereal company that you would give away the parts in your cereal, and that, that kind of got him going, and then that was very successful. Then he oh. Was to sell Mr. Potato Head. And then at some point they said, we're not going to... We're not going to recommend that people actually do this on potatoes from now on. They're going to have, now they have a little plastic potato. That's interesting. Of course, today, you know, you couldn't package it in cereal because some kid would eat it and there would be a big lawsuit. So, Yeah, yeah, that's too funny. Uh, it was the first toy that was actually marketed on television directly to children. Huh. And that happened... Only a you know like 1953 I think it was like the year after they came out so it was a, that was kind of a big thing. So before yeah. My Little Pony and GI Joe, they have Mr. Potato Head to thank. That's right. 
It's Mr. Potato Head. We have to sing for Teen Titans. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. I'll take it up with him. Yeah. Wow. Well, this story really captured my interest, and I couldn't figure out if it was a an April Fool's joke type thing or if it was real, but this is my all-time favorite story that's ever been in the inner town record. <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate and that, And you buddy. did a great justice, too, Mr. Carbone. Oh, that's yes, so nice, well, Mom. You know, that's what we reporters do. We dig the digs the hard news. <laughs> Well, I do hope. I hope there's greater things out there for you, Ray. Yeah, Ray. Where, for the listeners, know is there? You know, where can I point them? Is there a website you want them to visit, or how can we find more from Ray Carbone? Well, actually, I I I keep a blog, and usually when I write stories, I especially if they're a little more unusual like this, I put my stories up on the blog. It's called uh, GraniteBeneathMyFeet.wordpress.com. Okay. So that's uh, granite beneath my feet, granite beneath my feet wordpress.com. You can find more from Ray Carbone. Ray, thank you for your time and good luck on your next um, crime reporting story. Well, nice talking to you folks. Nice talking to you, nice Ray. I appreciate the time. Too. Take care. Bye. All right. Good job, mom. Our first pop mom interview. Isn't that exciting? He really had all the facts about Mr. Potato Head, both in the story and on the phone. We gave sort of short shrift to the uh, dust buster. Which, good point. And I, I really want to know what, why that charge was added. Was she just tr- trotting through the, through the hotel area, just picking stuff up? I we'll really never know. Just, Look, Ray had it down every lead in the story, Mom, and it just the trail went dry. That's, I know it happens sometimes. I know in the in the realm of true crime. So this has been right. the theft of Mr. Potato Head, a Pop Mom true crime special. I hope everybody enjoyed the chills and thrills. We should do that again. We should. Uh, let's hope there's more crimes like that. Oh, I bet there will be with those Franklin types around. Those hey, can I rehabilitate Franklin a little bit? It's got a lot of nice restaurants. It's by the river, so there's beautiful parts of the town, and they have great drugs. Poor Franklin. Okay. Shall we move on to to Afterlife? Okay. From executive producer Ricky Gervais comes this new television series created by and starring Ricky Gervais, who also writes and directs the program. Afterlife is the story of Tony, a middle-aged man whose wife has died of breast cancer and whose grief takes the form of being an asshole. He's just an unsufferable asshole to every person who trespasses into his general area, and he makes it known to friends and loved ones that this is his new life philosophy. But a little bit of sunlight starts to break through, doesn't it, Mom? So the question is, is it possible to grow after you've given up on life? That's the question Ricky Gervais is asking. Here is a clip. All right, um... So this is, uh, yeah, this is Sandy. She's just started today, it's her first day. Um, so uh, Tony, she's gonna be working under you. If you could show her the ropes, tell her what's what. Here's what's what. Um, humanity is a plague. We're a disgusting, narcissistic, selfish parasite, and the world would be a better place without us. It should be everyone's moral duty to kill themselves. I could do it now, quite happily. Just go upstairs, 
jump off the roof and make sure I land on some cunt from accounts. That the sort of thing you meant? No. Just um, ignore that. Um, Lenny, uh, can you show Sandy the ropes? Sure thing. Got to get the papers out, thank you. You're going to show the ropes, yeah? Big time. Can I guess the bullet points? Get in, eat in front of the computer, go to the pub, eat in front of the quiz machine, go home, eat in front of the telly, go to bed, I assume you eat in bed. Or have emergency snacks nearby, yeah. Afterlife is available to stream on Netflix. Consult your local library to determine if Netflix is available in your home. Mom, did you find Afterlife a television show to die for? I liked it. Good. Tell me. You know, Ricky Gervais is not my favorite person either because I find him... You say either uh, because uh, you... Oh. You're referring to my uh, disdain for him, right? Right. He seems kind of smug and self-something. I don't know what the right <laughs> word is. Do you? Self-satisfied? Self-something. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I and I sort of um, always feel like, now I, there's times when I do find him very funny, but I always feel like he's serving me. He's Oh, he's like serving you up. Is that in that is that the sense in which you mean it or? I mean, like he's he's doling out uh, something genuinely funny. Um, You know, it isn't just his attitude or uh, it's the actual thing that he's saying is funny. And I feel like he's he he doles that out sparingly. I think that a lot of his what people find funny about him is his attitude. And I don't find his attitude funny. I see what you're saying. So I, I get it. So there's, you feel that there's not a lot of substance to his comedy sometimes that it's all about posturing and attitude as you put it. I yeah. got it. And he's sort of, I love it. I love the image. Now he's doling out these little nuggets of like actual comedy within all the attitude. Right. Oh yeah. Very yeah. perceptive. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. I've got it. Okay. So on in that regard, I do not care for him, Mm -hmm. but I went into this, and I'm going to tell you, it's interesting because I did watch it twice. I watched it again, most of it today, so that I would be in the the mind of it, even though I watched it last week, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I enjoyed it very much last week, and I enjoyed it a little less today, but I'm not sure why. you know, his life is, is very simple. He works for a small-town newspaper that covers stories not unlike what we just talked about. Right. You know, a yes. kid that Wacky plays stories. The, wacky stories, right. A kid that plays two flutes with his nostrils and um, a guy that got five of the same birthday card and, you know, stories like that that, that are, I think are very funny. Um, in an odd sort of way. I would love to cover the um, birthday card story. He got five I of the same that. birthday card. I would cover that. Yeah, but this is what his newspaper publishes, yeah. and it is crap. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But it's a local paper. Um, I don't know how many times these wacky stories can happen in a small town. I mean, when are we going to get a Mr. Potato Head caliber story again? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> We'll have to just sit and wait. That's right. Yeah, it's not really about the newspaper. Hmm? 
It's not really about the newspaper, right? Right. It's it's really about him. Yeah. It's him. It's about him. You know, he wants to kill himself because his wife has died, and um, that's that's really the premise. He thinks life stinks, and what's the point? And so he's pretty much makes everyone miserable around him with his attitude. He sure does. Except yeah. that nobody's really nobody really takes it on. You know, he the the part that really um, turned me around was getting to sort of the last episode when he decides, yeah, maybe life isn't all crap and let's have a go at it. And he visits his dad who has uh, Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. He he visits him every day in a nursing home. And I guess I could really feel what it's like to go and visit your father who who isn't really there. Yeah. And the things that your the things that your mind tells you, you know, this is your dad, he's breathing, he's mm. uh but he's also the guy that, you know, threw a cupcake that slid down the wall and left a big chocolate stain and the nurses aren't happy and you feel responsible but you're not mm. and they know you're not, but they need somebody to be angry with and uh, this is obviously my story, not his. Well, but thank you but, for sharing it. And it, it, you know, my question is, um, I, I only watched the first three episodes uh, because okay. I found this show to be quite dreadful. Uh, but let me ask you this about the nursing home scenes. There's a number of scenes where he comes in and it's he's um, rather cruel to his dad, who keeps asking about his Ricky Gervais Tony's wife. Right. Wife, Tony's yeah. late wife, not realizing that uh, the wife has died. You know, Tony says, fuck me. And he, you know, yeah. he says something nasty to his father. Were there moments? Was that at all cathartic to you? Were there moments when you would visit your father um, as he his mind had slipped and wish you could yell at him and and bitch to him about what a, you know, how well, difficult I, that I was. never did have that because what happened was he slipped away very quickly. Yeah. Um, he slipped away very quickly in that you could have a, a, a bit of back and forth and really very suddenly nothing, just, just nothing. He would just stare. I'm not even sure he really knew who I was. Mm. Um, you know, I know I went one time with my brother to see him when he was in the veterans home. And on the third floor, they had a jukebox that had all the thirties and forties songs. And I stood up and started dancing. Like I was dancing with a partner and he just sat and stared and stared and stared and I went over and sort of took his hand and pretended I was dancing with him. And he just kind of shyly smiled and and that was it. That was the only reaction. Um, And I didn't really ever understand what was going on. You know, was it some memory that he traveled? It wasn't me. He wasn't seeing me or 
at least he was just seeing somebody flitting around, but he never said anything. Well, that was a great kindness. You could see he was enjoying it. That was a great kindness, yes, uh, uh, that you were giving him. And what a unique and difficult episode of life that is to be giving a gift to someone and you don't even know what they're receiving. Right, exactly. I never felt that anger, but, you know, I haven't lost a, a, a partner that I that I love dearly. And, and I, I would think that, you know, Ricky Gervais is probably pretty much a bloody mess inside. Yeah. Yeah. You mean his character? His, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, to have the to have his, his Band-Aid ripped off continually, you know, he's just got to feel like he wants to be someplace else, anyplace else, not here. Yeah. So I, I did I did like that, and I... You connected with that, I, it sounds like. I did connect with that. Yeah. I connected with that very much. Um, it was very... Uh, I think if you watch the last episode, that's the only one you really have to watch. Oh yeah. Um, Out of all six. Yeah. Just well, go. you know, now that you've seen one or two. Oh, okay. You're specifically about me. I thought you were recommending to the listeners that they just skip to the end. No, 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 no. If they want to watch one or two and then the last one, that's okay with me too. He dabbles in drugs for a little bit, and um, yeah, which you know, I'm going to complain a little now. We've, Go ahead. And I, I feel a little bad about it because I come in with all these petty complaints and you've just shared something so thought-provoking and beautiful, Mom. And now I'm going to talk about, and I'm so glad, this is why I always say as a critic, like, tell me what you think, you know, tell me even if I couldn't stand it, which is true of this show, tell me what you think. This is the kind of conversation I love to have. But now let me let me complain about this show a little bit. <laughs> um, and I'm probably going to agree with you. Okay, okay. It sounds that way. The second episode, he tries heroin, um, and he tries right. it in a in a joint that's laced with it. So he's not injecting it. He says as much. He doesn't want to do that. And the second episode ends with him drifting off in this haze and having a memory of his uh, wife. Did it make me sad? Did it make me worried about him? Yes. Did I feel like I was being manipulated with cliches? Yes, I did. So imagine, yeah. Yeah. Im imagine my reaction when... The third episode ends exactly the same way, with a very similar song, with very similar shot making, and Ricky Gervais doing the same thing. And you may think hearing yeah. this, oh, it's a show about his descent into drug addiction, but no, it's not. It's just a clumsy device, one of many, that Gervais employs on this show to convey his state of mind in the most well-worn um, and trite manner. As far as I'm yeah. concerned, I mean, walking into the sea with your clothes on uh, yeah. and, you know, then turning around at the last moment, would you please? I mean, uh, come up with something. Uh, what about well, when not what, only turn not only turning back and not continuing, but at the dog's beckoning. Uh, how many times does a dog have to save his life? I feel like the dog <laughs> saves his life in every other scene. We get it. You well, like the dog. Maybe the show should have been about the dog. It practically is. You know who it's certainly not about is about Sandy, the uh, new woman who I, I can tell, like, 
she's part of the cracking Ricky Gervais's facade squadron that the show has amassed, right? Like it's him being sad, yeah. and then he's just surrounded by these good, decent, capital G, capital D people who are going to just show him the light. And the one that makes me angriest is Sandy, this moon-eyed uh, young woman who I wrote down the the complete span of her dialogue for some scenes. Um, here's one. Um, Ricky pinches the neck skin of a co-worker. The new girl looks on with a smile and moony eyes, as she always does. It's her only job. The sum total of her dialogue in this scene, yeah, and see you later. Oh, here's another one. Ricky's editor comes out of the office to talk to Ricky. They have a conversation about Sandy while she's sitting right there. She looks on with moony eyes and says nothing. Like She's just a prop, at least for the first three episodes. She's just this prop to, like, that he can set up a shot of so she can express, you know, sort of thin, smiling wonderment at all the nasty things he's saying. It's just... Right. And, yeah. and I think she's a stand-in for us, the viewer. Of course, yes. Because we're too stupid to... He, he right. just doesn't trust us enough to get the show that we need to have somebody there representing us to roll the eyes or whatever, you know, whatever reaction you want to have. Right. She's, she's there because he doesn't trust us enough to get it. Couldn't have put it better myself. That's right. It's, it's, um, <laughs> you, not only is it, uh, cause he doesn't trust us, but what does he think of us? Like that this is our avatar just yeah. to sort of, Oh, Oh, but, but I think that's the trouble with him always. Mm. Yeah. He's, he he must think he's so damn clever that we're there's just no way we're going to get it. That's what I feel like. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's what you're getting at, Mom, is, is similar to something I feel watching this show that it crystallized for me, which is that there's a fundamental uh, insecurity to Ricky Gervais's comedy. And to well, me, it's I a, never looked at it that way. It's this sort of fundamental male insecurity. He just again and again stands himself up against total idiots. I mean, this show is teeming with simpletons who, you know, eat junk food and watch stupid movies. And the, the secretary or the, you know, office manager, whatever her job is at the newspaper office, how many scenes do we have to have with her coming over and saying like, oh, I believe in crystals and him just saying, you know, making some yeah. smart ass remark. And I just feel like, Ricky, if you're so damn smart, why don't you get one intelligent character for you to argue with on this yeah. show. Instead, it's just one simpleton after another for Ricky to roll his eyes at. And then I started to think, yeah. this is so much of his career. I mean, like the it's Carl, the Carl P Pilkington, you know, the Carl Pilkington stuff. No, um, this is a radio series that became like an animated series and a podcast. Um, it was a phenomenon for a little while. <clears throat> and it was just, Ricky Gervais and his frequent creative partner, um, Stephen Merchant, uh, had this friend, uh, Carl Pilkington, simple-minded sounding guy. I mean, it just started as, here's this dumb guy that they laugh at, and they made a whole, and I never got why it was such a big thing, but that's Ricky's milieu, I think. Even, you know, he's famous for hosting the Golden Globes, and then it's just him making fun of dumb you know, celebrity culture in a context yeah. where they can't really answer back. <sighs> right. 
It's insecure. Right. It feels insecure to me. I like that. I really do like that uh, analysis, and it it just it rings like a bell. I I think you're right. And the funny thing is, very interesting. That's then. I wish the show would explore that in some fashion because, again, while I'm moved by the emotional components of the show as presented, it's all presented too so simplistically. And the complexity of the memory that you shared, Mom, about your father, if the show had an ounce of that, then I think that would that would redeem it some more. But it's all very flat. Well, it's all very, yes, I, I, I totally agree with you. Even I thought, uh, you know, he meets up with a woman that's a prostitute. She calls herself a sex worker. Mm-hmm. And he hires her to clean his house. I, I thought that was quirky and funny, but I think that was the whole joke. And now we've seen it more than once. If if you've seen the whole series, you've seen it more than once. And it was funny the first time, but then you don't come back. You know, it's just, it's just, it's like a, it's like when your two year old or your four year old comes in and recites a poem for company <laughs> like they used to in the old days and then yeah. comes back and tells a knock, knock joke. And it's like, all right, we get it. Bring on the martinis. Yeah. You know, it's just, right. wow. we get it. I love that image. Um, it feels like he had material for like a 90 minute movie and it became a six episode yeah. show, right? Yeah. Because like I was saying earlier, he goes to the um, final scene spacing out with a joint at least twice from what I've seen. I don't know if there's more, but, you know, twice was enough, especially twice in a row with no substantial storytelling um change or uh, points of interest right. provided by the second time, right? It doesn't perform right. any different function. It didn't grow. It didn't, uh, it didn't get bigger. It didn't have more of a more meaning. It just, it was just same. It's like, we got it the first time. Yeah. Trust <clears throat> us, you know? And even more, we got it the first time. Like I've seen the thing where the guy uh, hires a prostitute for something other than sex before it's, you know, it's not the most uncommon trope. And I really felt this in the scene where he's um, arguing with the waitress over being able to order off the children's menu, which I have seen that before, most recently on Atlanta, executed a thousand times better on Atlanta. But in any case, I'm sitting there while he's arguing with the waitress and I feel like saying, Hey Ricky, you know, I've seen five easy pieces. I've seen the diner scene from five easy pieces. It's really famous. Um, I don't need to see your take on it because it's not as good. Right. And it's not. Nor nor is the restaurant going to make such a big <laughs> stink about it. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, it made me uncomfortable rather than made me smile. Because it was so, the conceit was so uh, paper thin, you mean? Yeah. 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 And, you know, the last thing I want to see is something that makes me feel embarrassed for somebody that's making millions and millions and millions of dollars, I don't want to sit in in my my comfy chair feeling sorry for you because you look like a fool, in my opinion. Trust me, trust me. If I don't get it, I'm not your audience. Somebody else will get it. You know, have some faith in me. Well, anyway, that's how I feel. Well, that's our plea as intelligent viewers, but. Uh... Now, I have a question for you, though. Okay. I have a question for you, because I really liked this last week when it was gloomy and dark and 
still snowing here. And, you know, now it's all sunny and bright, bright, bright. And I didn't like it as much. Uh, as a critic, how do you handle that? Don't you think that's weird? I think it's, you have to accept as a critic and uh, as an informed reader of criticism that criticism is inherently subjective and that applies not only to the person, but to the moment. You know, if I reviewed, if I reviewed a video game I looked at five years ago now, I would write a totally different review, right? And you could even Mm. say it's a month later and hey, maybe I had gas that day. And I was in a bad mood, right? Like, that's all part of it. It's all a human conversation. And I find it very liberating to accept that and to accept that what I'm giving to my readers or my listeners, whatever the context may be, I'm giving them myself the best of myself that I can offer them at that moment. What more can I give them? Okay. And Okay, but I that was a very, it, it occurred to me, how can you review anything if if it you know you like it now you don't like it then what the heck happened i don't know well you know whether you like it or not is an overrated component of criticism i think as we've seen today because i we had a conversation that moved me and provoked uh thought for me about a show that i didn't care for at all um, yeah. and that i did not think was very good um, beyond yeah. even not caring for it, I thought it was a bad show. Uh, but who cares? Because it's what we take of it. So that's that's how I've approached, approached criticism for a while now, and I just think it leads to mm. the best conversations and it leads to the most growth in our understanding and in ourselves as people. Like this, I feel like this is how we should use the culture. So accept that it's you as a human being in a moment talking about it. And we would have a different conversation if we recorded this a week later and that's fine. Okay. Now I have a question for you. Does having gas put you in a bad mood? (laughs) Well, I'm talking about like searing gas pain. I mean, if the gas is getting out, that puts me in quite a jolly mood. Which makes me glad we're on the phone. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, just wanted uh, to clear that up. So what's your grade for Afterlife? Well, I'm going to give it a C plus because it, it just that one aspect of him and his father uh, just got me thinking. Yeah. Can I also say, as a codicil to my answer to your question, this is why I don't do grades. And I have you give them on the show just kind of as a joke, but this is why, like, yeah. in when I write criticism, I don't do grades um, because yeah. they're too authoritative and they're too indelible. Okay. You know what I mean? It's not a conversation. I do know what you mean. Mom, do you have a recommendation for us this week? I do have a recommendation. Um, it does have a... One of those little things like a, what is it, like a... An asterisk? Like a snowflake thing with it. It's called, it's a book, it's called The Weight of a Piano by Chris Kander. I don't think this story will change your life, but there's a lot of interesting stuff about pianos and even the first chapter of how a piano, uh, how this particular piano was made. But there's a lot of different facts in there about pianos and and how they are put together and how they deteriorate and 
what people do to preserve them. And so there's that kind of information in there that's very interesting. It is fiction. Um, and again, the story is a little insipid, but. So a piano book with a terrible part. story is mom's recommendation this week. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> you don't have to say it like that. No, I'm just kidding. Give us the okay. name of it again. If you're if you are indeed finished, you can go on if you if you're not. It's called The Weight of a Piano by Chris Kander. C A N D E R. Uh consult your local library to see if there's a bookstore near you that carries that tome. All right, that'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Our thanks to Ray Carbone. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture, but what should we talk about? Hmm, any ideas, Mom? Yes, I do have an idea. <laughs> Something interesting. Something interesting. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. We mean it. Grab their phone and open their podcast app and just subscribe to Pop Mom. Ooh. Right? And then next week they'll be like, what, yeah. what in tarnation is this podcast? And then they'll give it a listen and they'll be like, wow, where have you been all my life, Bonnie Tatey? Right? That's right. That's how and it'll have play so out. Many episodes to listen. That's right. Okay. They'll have such a wonderful backlog. That's right, Mom. Uh, we love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. I love you too.